1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, I'm speaking with Sari Solden, who is a psychotherapist and has counseled adults with ADHD for 30 years. She serves on the Professional Advisory Board of ADDA and received their award for Outstanding Service by a Helping Professional. She is the co-author of A Radical Guide for Women with ADHD, which we're discussing today. Sari, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Rebecca. It's great to talk to you
1: and your audience. So what inspired you to write about ADHD?
2: Well, like you say, I've been counseling men and women with ADHD for 30 years, and this is my third book, and my first book was sort of pioneering in the field because it was the first one to talk about women, so I've been talking about the differences in women with ADHD and how easy it is for them to get misdiagnosed and looked overlooked and the complex array of difficulties that causes. So I've been doing that for 30 years, speaking about it. Uh, about five years ago, I was joined in my practice by a psycho- young psychologist, Dr. Michelle Frank, who is also an expert with women with ADHD. And we continue to see the same things over and over again in the women who are seeking our help. And it seemed like even though the field is always focused on tips tools and strategies for how to overcome your difficulties with organization and attention, these women really were affected at a much deeper level of their core sense of self. We wanted to write a book that would help untangle a woman's feeling about herself from these brain-based difficulties and sort of change the conversation in the field to understand there's a whole lot more there that psychotherapists and practitioners need to address uh, versus staying on the surface. So we call well, it radical because... Yeah, go on. Yeah,
1: well, um, so first, can you just tell us um, what ADHD is, just like a, a blanket conversation yeah. about about it, without right. the differences? Right.
2: You know, it's, it's uh, simply put, it's a unique brain chemistry that these individuals have. That causes a lot of difficulty in the regulation of attention and their ability to organize their daily lives in ways that seem routine for others. So from neuroscience and brain imaging and other research, they tell us that these quirks in the brain's management system impact what we call executive functioning. And let me just talk about that for a minute to Explain, and maybe you all can picture what it would be like to have these kind of difficulties that seem routine, but that really create huge barriers in the lives of adults that have these problems. Executive function is sort of how we manage our daily lives, uh, how we begin to start a project, how we get up from the couch, think about all the thousands of things we want to do and pick one and move toward it in an organized manner. Executive function helps us stay with those tasks once we get started, tuning out all the myriad of distractions inside and outside. It helps us to maintain the cognitive energy we need to to stay with what we want to do and basically to lead a regular life. It creates problems with memories that cause all the piles and clutter and triggers that we try to create for ourselves when we have ADHD. So there are all these complex things that other people find routine and never even think about. And for women and men with ADHD, this causes great difficulty in their ability to move ahead with their life. Uh, Not in every area, and that's why it's so confusing. We can talk about that.
1: Well, um, so where does it cause issues? So So these kind of
2: difficulties can either show up at home, they can show up at work, but these are chronic problems, severe problems not what happens to everybody when they're in a crisis or in a stressful time. You can imagine, you know, when you've been depressed, when you've been, have a divorce or you've been through a a loss or you're depressed, everybody has problems getting organized, getting up, doing what you need to do. Can you imagine what that would be like in a person who is even smart and educated, has a lot to say, a lot to do, but can't figure out how to proceed in their daily life on a regular basis? So when the conditions are right, when a person has all the right amount of structure, has stimulating environment, is working in their areas of strength, they can do really well. Sometimes that's at home. Sometimes it's at work. But when this delicate balance falls away, people with ADHD sort of fall off the rails and it takes them a long time and a lot of coaching and help to figure out how to proceed in their daily life you can see how that confusing would be to people around them and to themselves growing up like this not understanding even though they're smart in many ways they can't do what other people consider easy or routine so i'm sure you've all known people like this people who you look at and say well how come they can't get it together quote unquote or why are they leading such a disorganized life or why can't she do you know have people over or why isn't she remembering to call me back for women these are the kinds of things that you know really make them feel like failures when they've internalized the way women are supposed to be able to act and perform quote-unquote
1: well and in, in a lot of this behavior it sounds like could be viewed as somebody being lazy you know you're you're not cleaning up you're not organized you're not doing what you're supposed to do so does that end up getting a, a lot of labels um you know being lazy or anything like that
2: Yeah, that's why we wrote the book, yes, about what inspired us to write the book. Because women have, and I'm talking about women, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, all the way up to their 80s, women who haven't understood that this is caused originally by their brain based difficulties have thought about themselves as a failure, as a failure of character. And they're completely fused with their self-concept and these brain-based difficulties. They think, they've internalized this idea that other people have thought about them. They think about themselves, that they're lazy, stupid, crazy, irresponsible, selfish, you name it. And so the work and why we wanted to write this book is to provide a way for women to sort of start to sort out who am I versus what is my brain and how do I integrate that and then move into the world in a way where I can not just get over quote unquote these difficulties or get fixed. The radical idea that why we call our book that is that you can just simply learn to accept yourself and be yourself while you're getting help for your chronic brain difficulties but don't stop there. Go on to have a meaningful and fulfilling life. Don't let that derail you. And that's why we wrote the book because there's very few therapists in the world who work with this with women. We wanted a way for women to be able to work on their own or with their therapist or as a couple or in a group to understand their differences and figure out how to make a flash in the world not just to stop at the level of getting over their difficulties but to move on to to be empowered and to and to be authentic and the world be seen and heard and not hide who they are
1: so um back when when adhd was was add we used to talk about it as happening mainly to our boys and um you know girls and and i don't think adults were diagnosed at that time very often but girls weren't diagnosed very often so so what what is the difference between the how those two must present differently if a lot of women have adhd and just aren't recognized
2: Right. I think that's why it was so impactful when I wrote this book in the early 90s and when that was the first time that we started understanding that adults, even if they were hyperactive as children, often grew out of that and then these other kinds of difficulties remain. By the way, I did not mention my co-author, Dr. Michelle Frank, by name I don't think, and she is the one who wrote this book with me and helped develop these ideas. Um, So let me just say that for little girls, um, who don't present stereotypically, little girls and then teenage girls and women don't present with a stereotype of hyperactivity, the stereotype that we used to have of ADHD, that it was hyperactive, impulsive, acting out, trouble causing little boys. They get diagnosed early, and even though they're causing trouble, they get help. The little girls often are inattentive, as we call it now, without hyperactivity, often are perfectionistic, work hard, They internalize their problems, so you might see a lot more anxiety or depression, but they might produce good work They might, because they're keeping their troubles to themselves. They're often people-pleasing, accommodating. They've learned early on to hide their difficulties, or they don't even know, wouldn't even begin to know how to explain them, or other people wouldn't have a way to recognize them, so they often go undiagnosed, and that is exactly what caused the problem by the time they hit a wall when they're in college or when they have children or when they work or whenever other people their own age or intellectual equals or educational equals might be able to continue on. They hit a wall and the demands are too great for them and that's when they get diagnosed. Unfortunately, often by then they're also depressed and anxious and they get diagnosed usually with that even though those are often secondary to these original long-term struggles with executive functions. So Because of the stereotypes, because they're not causing problems for other people, because they might have structure from their parents or they might have support in other ways or they might be smart. You know, there's people, for instance, you know, there's astrophysicists I met the other day who have trouble figuring out to wear in the morning. There's such a huge split between someone's intellectual capability sometimes and their ability to organize their daily lives, get dressed, figure out what to wear, figure out how to make lunch for their kids, figure out how to go grocery shopping, make a meal. It just doesn't make sense to people who don't understand these kind of difficulties. And you can imagine the confusion of self-concept and relationships and withdrawal from the world often um, when you have such a split in your strengths versus your difficulties.
1: So, uh, I mean, a lot of what you described is how depression and anxiety is described. So how can you differentiate between the two?
2: Right. That's why you really have, once you, if someone out there is trying to figure out, is this depression, anxiety, or is this ADHD or both, you really have to go to somebody who is expert in teasing that out because this will take a long history. Did most of these troubles, even though they were mass as a child for a girl, maybe, by what I just described, they, they'll they be there way before the depression and anxiety that you might see as an adult. So a careful history can understand okay, how did this start out? What are these chronic, severe problems with organization and in manifesting who you are in the world? Where did your problems begin? Did you Were you okay and then you had trouble starting to write reports that required greater organization abilities? When did these difficulties start and how did they develop? So a really careful history will sort of be able to pinpoint usually often, okay, this preceded this depression. And often then when you get, also when you get diagnosed and treated, often with medication and with counseling or coaching, you will see that if it's purely ADHD as primary cause, you'll see a lot of the depression anxiety be relieved. And then, you know, that's also helpful. But an expert can help you explore your history and understand what came first and what came as a result of what. Well, It's, and- it's obviously, yeah, it's natural to be depressed and anxious if you've been struggling with this. People with ADHD will tell you a history that's unlike people with just pure depression. Uh, it's not episodic; it's been there in some form for your whole life.
1: So, so can you just give us an example of what that that would look like? Which that to be able to, like a, like a history, a history of ADHD as opposed to depression. Yeah. Well let's see, there was a little girl who was nice
2: and sweet, not making trouble for anybody, but her her room was completely a disaster. Her she had trouble figuring you know, organizing her belongings. By the time she got to the fourth grade if she was smart, maybe she would start to start to have trouble organizing her reports or outlining or she might have trouble understanding the subtleties of a teenager of how to make small talk or how to get along with the other girls. This is one type of ADH girl. There's girls who are much more outgoing and, and hyperactive, but these kind of quiet girls who get lost might just put all their energy, for instance, into homework, for instance, and they might do well in school, and nobody would suspect in college that they were having trouble, but it would maybe be at the detriment of any kind of social life or taking care of herself. She might be confused a lot about how to get someplace or how to clean up her room or or how to manage her schoolwork, so she's compensating a lot and hiding her difficulties, and all the time, her depression and anxiety about how to in the world might grow. Even if she gets out of college, let's say this one kind of woman might find a job and she that might be in an area of strength, for instance, she may, let's say she turned out to be a good writer or a good TV producer, or I've had women with all sorts of strengths and all sorts of capacities who hit a wall at work because they can't organize their desk or they can't organize their work or they start to get a lot of negative feedback and, or they have to travel or they have to figure out what to wear. Or all these things that other people don't worry about. These women might start to give up on opportunities, might withdraw from, from moving ahead in work that they can't organize because they don't want to ask for help. They don't want to tell people the difficulties they're having. They don't see themselves whole. So by the time they maybe be withdrawn, they have severe underachievement, they quit their job, they go home and they think they're going to get rid of all the stress by getting rid of all the good stimulation and they're home alone with children and then they have no structure and then they completely crash. They can't figure out how to organize the lives of their children, their families, their lives, their friendships, and they start to withdraw and become more and more depressed. If they go in for help for depression, eventually, hopefully somebody will realize that they're sitting on the couch all day long, not figuring out to do, not just because they're depressed, but because they also maybe have never been able to organize their lives. So they might get treated for depression, get on an antidepressant, feel somewhat better. If the ADD is missed, then that will be incomplete treatment. If the ADHD is understood, a counselor or a coach and the treating psychiatrist could help them activate their brain in a way that could help them... Get their head above water enough to plan what they might need to do to, to move on with their life in a, in a, toward a more meaningful way. There's so many variations. This is a syndrome. So it's not one thing. It just means that each adult, however their histories have been, have an extraordinary difficulty managing their life and figuring out how to move ahead. And why we're as therapists involved with this even though it's brain-based at it's rude, is because the shame women feel uh, from not being like other women they're comparing themselves to keeps them paralyzed and keeps them feeling, I don't have the right to go out and and take a class or to figure out what I want to do. I have to stay here and wait until my house is organized, wait until I'm like everybody else, wait until I'm not you know, that wait until you fix me is basically what they want. Uh, And so then I'll be able to allow myself to claim a life for myself. So the therapeutic aspect, which is what we're writing about, is allowing women to see themselves clearly and whole. I know you deal with chronic illness a lot and chronic conditions. This is a chronic condition, but what we help people do is see there's your chronic brain-based condition that you can treat with medication and strategies and tips and tools and coaching then there's you as a human being and a woman who we want to help support go out there and figure out who you are as a whole person and lead a life that's meaningful to you and that's the therapeutic uh, no. issue
1: that, that's uh, perfect we're going to talk about this tomorrow when we get back we're going to take a quick break we're talking today with Sari Solden and we're discussing her book that she's the co-author of a radical guide for women with ADHD we'll be back shortly
0: Hi, everybody.
1: Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Sari Solden, and she is the co-author of A Radical Guide for Women with ADHD. Now, Sari, is there um, different levels or different diagnoses or ways ADHD can present itself?
2: Yes, definitely. Like I said before, what I was describing was inattentive woman. That's one type of person with ADHD who is more easily confused with somebody who's Depressed It's somebody who can't move very easily from all the thoughts they have to taking action, and they're not able to really, they're the opposite of hyperactive. They're often very inactive. Now, there's a more hyperactive, impulsive type of ADHD, which is much more how we usually think about it, and then there's a combined type. Most people, though, lose a lot of their outward hyperactivity, Even if they had that as a child, by the time they're adults and most women were never as hyperactive as many of the boys were. Internally, you can be very restless and hyperactive in your thoughts, but it doesn't always as an adult show up in outward hyperactivity.
1: Well, I mean, anxiety can be a lot like that where somebody's mind is racing, but they um, are either not doing yeah. anything. They're kind of paralyzed by it or they're just internalized at all and, and learn not to express it. Uh, you know, it could right, be that. that I, I, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's
2: why, again, it's why that, those two things, depression, anxiety, are such important differential kind of diagnoses. Of course, you're anxious by the time you've been living with this mysterious condition your whole life and that's true anxiety but the kind of racing thoughts that a person with ADHD would just have even without the anxiety is they make a lot of connections they think a lot of ideas they have a lot of interesting things that they put together and they and they some people describe it like herding sheep like they'll have they can't organize the ideas so they're like popcorn all over the place and part of the struggle is trying to take all these ideas and organize them. And some of the frustration for women with ADHD is, like, and men, they can't manifest. They can't let you see all the amazing ideas they have inside of them because they can't organize it in writing. They can't organize it often in an organized, cohesive way of speaking. So the tremendous frustration that adults with ADHD often find is that they can't let you in. They can't get their ideas out. And so they have such trouble being known and being heard. And they often have these wounds of being invisible or overlooked or disregarded, not respected. And those are the kind of wounds that we, we see a lot in therapy with women and men with ADHD.
1: Well, um, it Yeah, and this is why I earlier wanted to differentiate between, you know, depression, anxiety and ADHD because I can also Mm -hmm. see how they can come together a lot, especially if you're not functioning the way, you know, people think that you Uh should. You're going to internalize some of the the comments that are going to come your way because you appear to be lazy or you're not as organized or you're not behaving in a certain way that's expected and you don't understand why yourself.
2: Exactly, and we talk a lot about in the book, the beginning of the book, talks about what you learned about being different growing up. Because depending on what you even learned as a child in your own family about the danger of differences, if you yourself were different, that's going to be even harder for you to work through and accept and express your the different way you may see the world or your different ideas. You're going to feel that these differences are dangerous And a lot of people with ADHD, they sort of react like other minorities in the world. They hide their differences. They're invisible often. And so they try to stay in the closet, not let people know their differences because they're afraid of them. They've had bad experiences when people have seen their difficulties. So part of the therapy is becoming comfortable with your differences and your difficulties, realizing they don't define you and, and that's not all of who you are. People with ADHD often have great strengths and talents and gifts, and they don't embrace them. They don't see them. They don't allow themselves to act on them. So part of this is not getting rid of your chronic difficulties. It's yes, and you also have these strengths, and we have to help you get support for your difficulties, not just for its own sake, but so that you can move on toward living a, fulfilling a meaningful life and that you don't get all tangled up and under, and think that you are, all you are, are those difficulties.
1: Well, and I, I just wonder if one of the first steps would be to just accept that this is part of who you are and you're going to have difficulty with it. And once you can recognize that, that you are different and that you just need help in a certain way, um, a lot of time I've, I can see how that, that would just be easier. Well, just to have is, that acknowledgement. would be
2: easier. Know? That that yes, I mean, unfortunately, it take it can take years for a person who who is tangled up to to reach that point. That is exactly the end point: is to accept yourself, to radically accept yourself. This is how your brain works. It's it's not a matter of shame. We call it brain shame. This is just how your brain works. And whether it's this condition or some other kind of chronic condition, everybody struggles with something. And this is. Your particular struggle and difference is is how your brain works in certain ways, but that's not all of who you are, and to accept all of who you are is the goal, exactly what you're saying, and it's just amazing how difficult it is by the time a woman has not known that for many, many years to untangle these ideas about herself so that she can move into the world and, and have a life that she wants, and why the book is different and why it's radical is we're really trying to change the conversation because... In the field, that's not really what um, the end goal for a lot of therapists will see people with ADHD as something to get over, or people with ADHD will come in and say, I want to be fixed. And Michelle and I, Dr. Frank and I like to say, only dogs and furniture need to get fixed. (laughs) We want to disavow people of the idea that we want them to be someone else. We want to make their life easier, and we want to make it easier for them to, to be themselves, their full expression of themselves. Well, so and the, this
1: is what we, yeah. Well, the, the the being fixed part, I I think from yeah. what I've learned, the difference between men and women is, as men find it easier to just fix something, let's just fix this situation and make okay. it, and then it'll be better, and uh, you know women aren't always are always like that. We kind of are okay with some gray areas, but but also it, it's hard to fix the way that you are hardwired you know you're made that way and and uh, you know we don't also exactly. have a cure for ADHD we we only yeah. have we only have treatment and acceptance and, and we can exactly. acknowledge it and diagnose it
2: yes yes and we want to really emphasize that fact that's part of what we're trying to change the view of the adults with ADHD. This is not a disease to be cured. This is not, we want to get away from that lens of pathology as if there's something wrong with you. This is just the way you're wired. And it seems like a simple concept, but this is what people are intent when they come in. They want to get over, as one client said to me, this case of terminal uniqueness. And so, you know, people want, don't come in saying, I want to accept myself. They come in saying, I want you to get me over this. I don't want to be like this. I want to be like everybody else. And so we, we sort of, can, Dr. Frank and I, look at it as the same way women are familiar with brain, body shame and comparing yourself to media images of the way a woman is supposed to look. So it's the same thing with what we call brain shame. People, women are comparing themselves to the way other women can do this so easily. Other women can do this. Why can't I do that? Why is my brain so different? And that it takes a long time to to. To stop doing that and that toxic comparing to other women in in a lot of ways, but in this way, how your brain works.
1: Well, and I, I could see how that could happen. We have social media and we have TV shows, and and I I remember on the Cosby Show, their son had ADHD and he took medication, and then they didn't talk about it much again, you know, and and so it just it wasn't this this focus on. On you know how this was just a, a process that had to happen. It's like here's some medication. You're going to be better.
2: Right. I don't. Funny because I don't even remember that. So it must <laughs> have been very focused on. And you know, and often you know, and ADHD is very hereditary, and so many people in a family often have these symptoms, even if they're different from each other. And I always tell women they who have children like this, you're a role model for how you accept your differences, how you accept who you are, how you go on to lead a life even though you have differences. And your kids are watching you. So it's not a matter as they think of, oh, I have to hide this. I have to, you know, not let my kids be like me. Well, maybe we're all like that. And maybe even if your kids don't have ADHD, they, they're they going to confront bullying or other ways that people will make fun of them or not like them because they're different. So this idea of like what we do about differences and how we view other people with differences, that can be very empowering and so important. And you can be, you know, really empowering to your children when you have ADHD versus hiding it and thinking you're so bad.
1: Which seems really important, but I I can see how that was that would be really difficult. And in your book, your book is a workbook, and you help women um, go through exercises on you know self acceptance and things like that. So can you give us an example of something that they would do just to um, be okay with who they are?
2: You know, and this book is different because my other books were about ADD and about gender differences and gender roles and. But this book is really, in the end, about women. (laughs) And you are primarily a human being, first. You're a woman, second. And you're a woman with these kinds of differences. So we want this to be a book for you as a woman who have to understand these particular struggles. And so that you can go on to be a stronger presence in the world, even though you have differences. So we teach, for instance, communication whole, what we call whole person communication in the book versus instead of putting yourself down and saying, oh, that's my AD or I'm a loser or I'm clumsy or I'm so stupid or I don't belong here. The process is being able to hold on to, I have difficulty be able to communicate in a positive way because people take their cues from you. I have difficulty listening to you and it's very important for me when there's so much noise around, why don't we schedule a time to meet separately or you know, I'm having, uh, I'm good at balancing, I'm good at, you know, writing reports, but I have difficulty balancing my checkbook, or I have, I'm good at this part of the job, but this part I'm going to need some more help for. I create a loving home, but I have trouble keeping it very organized. So, the more you can create, we give you examples of whole person language first internally, that will translate into having more relationships that are equal in power, because what women, and we talk a lot about relationships and because women back away from friendships, they back away from equality in their intimate relationships, they back away from setting up uh, occasions with their family and friends because of these difficulties, versus getting comfortable with this whole person idea. And I am this, and I am this, and none of those are really my core. I'm a, a person full of traits, often resilience, determination, humor, sensitivity, Understanding that you have a core sense of self is part of what we talk about in the book, this identity triad. You have your brain difficulties, you have this core though that's enduring. You can learn to to move t- together with those both ideas into the world in a more powerful way. So we lead women much further away from their ADD to also how can I how can I be seen in the world. We lead them to develop mission statements, to reassess their dreams now that they know they have these ADD, not to just give up on their hopes and dreams, but to revision their hopes and dreams, to move into the future with this new piece of information. And um, and so we we emphasize the woman, not just the ADD in the book. And then we help her integrate that by these exercises. You know, what did I learn about differences? What am I still with me how can I communicate in a more open more bold and bright way how can I we say uh, move into the center of my own stage versus hiding and withdrawing one
0: well, episode this, I, I like
1: at the
2: end of the yeah go on
1: I I think this is something that a lot of women need as well I mean I've done shows yeah. on uh, and you know what we're doing the differences between our girls and boys as they're growing up and and um uh, there's different kinds of pressure and the girls are always trying to be perfect and achieving these perfect things. And then, of course, especially if you do have something like ADHD, but even if you're just human, you know, you're, yeah, you're going to see exactly. yourself as not perfect and, and be afraid of that, which, you know, if we were less afraid and, and, of course, less judgmental of each other, I think that it would be a lot easier for us to all move through the world.
2: Well, that's exactly our philosophy and why we want to change this conversation to a much broader picture. And all my books and my writings have always been about this broader picture about what women, the messages that women take in about themselves, what they internalize, what they believe, and how destructive that is for accepting yourself and moving through the world in a less judgmental way. We were happy that we got to use the subtitle about neurodiversity in our book because really whether it's ADHD or whether it's aging, whether it's any of the ways that we're different from each other, and we all are different from each other, we're actually just alike also. So it's like we're all different and because of that, we all struggle with something and we're all human beings and we're all imperfect. And we all, that's just to be human and to accept that seems like an easy thing, but that's not an easy thing when you've grown up without those messages and so part of our work and in this book is to help women get to that simple but radical idea that instead of trying to fix yourself you could simply learn to be yourself that takes a long time and it's so exciting you know people say well how can you still be excited about this work after 30 years and every day I see women blossoming and blossoming and they and they still have their ADD, they still have their struggles, despite the best, you know, medication, and, and that's all good, you know, foundational stuff. But I see them eventually, through talking to other women and through working with us, shedding this second skin of shame and emerging, you know, and like, that's not me, that's my brain, that, and this is who I am. And it's a, you know, a wonderful thing to behold, really.
1: Yeah, I can uh, definitely see how that would make it very rewarding. Um, We're going to take a quick break. Today we're talking with Sari Solden, and she is the co-author of A Radical Guide for Women with ADHD. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back. Today we're talking with Sari Solden and she is the co-author of A Radical Guide for Women with ADHD. So Sari, when a a woman has ADHD, are they uh, presenting themselves in relationships in a different way than they would otherwise?
2: Uh, Well, a lot of women struggle in relationships with maintaining their power and having an equal voice. Um, that's something that we work with, with couples all the time, ADHD or not communication. But when you have ADHD and you have these struggles that you feel at first are so detrimental to everybody in your family, you lose sight of your own value in the relationship. And that makes women, um, vulnerable to being uh, criticized in toxic ways and tolerating, uh, character assault and and loss of power that they might not otherwise um, accept if they understood and saw themselves more clearly. And so I often bring in partners to help them understand. What the ADHD is all about, and sometimes, and the earlier that happens, the better in <laughs> relationships. Because after many years, there's a lot of bitterness and resentment both ways, from the ADHD person not being understood, and from the partner not understanding. Um, so, you know, depending on what your own family of origin was like, you can attribute, like you were saying, all sorts of things to a person with ADHD, whether they're being selfish or self-centered or lazy, and for the person with ADHD not being understood. They who the partner might just want to fix them that can feel very uh, demeaning um, and and not understanding this is a whole competent person with specific difficulties so counseling together is a really important thing often.
1: And so in, in the counseling, do you help them communicate in a different way yeah. so they can learn to express their needs or what's happening in their mind yeah. so that it's not doesn't oh, yeah. create those resentments?
2: Right. Well, in any counseling session, the ADHD or not, obviously the communication uh, and understanding the other person is important. But it's very difficult for a partner to understand ADHD. Someone was just telling me how their wife is a physicist, for instance, who can't figure out how to get dressed often in the morning. And this happens constantly. Or a person who is successful at work who can't figure out how to take the time to load the dishwasher. or, Or who leaves the kitchen and the place looks like a disaster. I mean, so the misinterpretation, the misattributions, often a partner feels like a person with ADHD is doing something Personal, so then we personalize it. I had a client whose husband bought them a beautiful car and the woman couldn't keep it clean, and so the partner felt deeply that that person felt like, you know, he wasn't important to her, that what he did for her wasn't important. And so this personalization can really be improved by just education with a partner, first of all, about this kind of executive function. It's very difficult for somebody to understand unless they had that kind of brain. So often it's so the counseling can be preceded by the person with ADHD herself understanding her brain and feeling comfortable with it, being able to describe what she needs, knowing what to ask for, knowing who she is. And so the husband, the partner will often take the cues from the woman with ADHD herself. So often that person has to work individually or be in a group or be with other people so she feels doesn't feel so vulnerable. And then she's able to actually listen to her partner and understand his point of view. And so it's like other couples counseling, but with the ADHD piece, it has to really be uh, dive ahead, take a deep dive into that and explaining that together through this book would be a great way to work together with it, actually is one reason we wrote it, or with a counselor uh, or on your own to be able to, when you first need to understand and accept your brain, it's a lot easier to get what you need.
1: Well, I mean, I think everybody can benefit from this yeah. in, in their own life or in relationships. <laughs> but, but you know, I know that if you're if you're struggling, especially you know, if you have ADHD and it looks like you're lazy and your partner thinks you're not caring mm-hmm. and you're lazy, mm-hmm. and really you just don't know how to step forward and and change those things, you know, that can really take a toll on both of you for sure. Yeah, definitely. And after
2: many years, it's even a deeper toll and. But then what happens to a woman is she's trying, if she often, her mindset is, I just have to wait to do anything in my area of strength. I have to wait. I've spent all my time organizing and get better and get acceptable. And and then she has no ability to to balance this in her own mind. She's not getting any new experiences of herself. So I guess if I really want to leave your audience with something, it's like you, you have to move toward we talk about but the edge of your comfort zone with support so that you can start to instead of withdrawing or hiding or staying home and just trying to organize and just spend all your time in your area of deficit you have to start moving some focus of your life to places that will give you new experiences of success it's the only way to rebalance this whole self image is to start doing things you're good at and to get some help if you don't know what that is or spend some time alone trying to journal and figure out what it who is who are you? What do you want to express? Many women say, Well I can't go and take that class or I can't do that because everything's still a mess. Well that stuff's gonna still be there when you get back. You have to start increasing your new experiences of yourself so you can change your self image slowly and you can hold on to that whole thing. But if you're only getting feedback about your but your difficulties, that's not going to help you, you know, see yourself better and it's not going to help you contribute to the world. It's not going to help you in your relationships. So you've got to start moving towards some new experiences slowly, doing something that you were good at or finding out what you're good at.
1: So when the, uh, a woman's been diagnosed and she is, you know, looking at this as, as a big picture, um, what first steps should she take for treatment and getting things organized or not organized? That's the wrong word. Well, <laughs> getting things well, just, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's the right word. I don't know.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, that's funny. that. I think that was the first subtitle they did in my book 30 years ago, like how to organize your life. I said, I have no idea how to do that. Take that subtitle off, <laughs> and I had like three minutes to figure out a new title, so that's why I wrote Embrace Your Differences because yeah. the person said organize your life. I have no idea how to tell people to do that. So that's you can organize your life at a bigger level. You can organize your life by organizing the way you view your life and the way you view yourself and, and, and organize your you know, the lens through which you view everything. But diagnosis is a big beginning of therapy. It's a big beginning of healing. I don't think of it as therapy, the whole thing. I think of it as healing because people with ADHD, women with ADHD have a lot of wounds growing up. And so what happens in counseling with the right kind of person who can view you whole and hold on to that view of you is a healing process through which you We, what I like to say is where you are not engulfed by your difficulties, where you can sort of walk alongside of your difficulties, look at them, see them. They're not going away, but they're not defining you. They're affecting you, but they're not defining you. And so you need, whether it's a coach, a counselor, a group, online, in person, diagnosis is a huge part of the healing process to say, oh, wow, even if I can't fix all this, I understand now that. This is why I've had so many struggles. This is all those misattributions. This is all those messages that I've internalized. This is what, who I am. And the tremendous relief that comes out in these beginning sessions is probably the most impactful part of the whole process, like knowing, oh, wow, this is who I am. This is what this was about. So it's not different than, uh, it's not like a precursor. It is part of the healing process. And then having... Everybody's different. Some people need a professional organizer right away. Some people need medication right away. Some people need couples counseling right away. And some people need a slow processing of looking back over their life and piecing this together and untangling their brain from their self. So each person is tremendously different. And finding a person who you feel is a partner, collaborative, listening to you, respecting you. Uh, you are the expert on your own internal experience. You need somebody who can help work with you with that, but don't give over your power to anybody. Find somebody who is an expert. If you feel good with that person, work with them. If you don't feel that they're getting you, you know, maybe look on,
1: look around. Well, I, I liked how you said to walk with your differences beside you, um, which I, you know, is good good advice for anyone. I think we try to hide the, uh, you know, our flaws or what we perceive as flaws and, and it, you know, we're very ashamed of a lot of things in our society yeah. and, you know, you said body image and then here's brain differences uh-huh. and, you know, we're all different. Um, and, and I think if we embrace that more, we don't, you know, we wouldn't have so much to and anxiety happening because um, it is on the rise and uh, our differences are what makes us unique and and what sh- what makes the the world different and special
2: well we have it sounds like we have very similar perspectives and you know <laughs> you've probably dealt with a lot of chronic you know you've had so much experience hearing from a whole array of people who live with chronic difficulties and the same it's the same struggle learning to manage your life but not letting it define or overwhelm you and and to walk alongside you to be mindful of them to not run from them fear just gives them all power all these problems you know to to not be afraid of who you are and to embrace it and exactly to recognize the differences are what makes us all part of the human race and and none of us are going to be perfect and that's and that's uh fine uh, well, and and, and, and who we are
1: be who we are and and recognizing that it's an area that we need help it was something I learned uh, in my my late 20s that you know if you're not good at something don't do it um you could well not not that but ask for help I think was the the lesson and so you know I'm not very good at keeping my books so I have a bookkeeper and an accountant (laughs) and you know and and that that's kind of where I realized I didn't have to do everything and somewhere where I had um you know a, a failing or just wasn't where I excelled I either mm-hmm. ask for help or I have someone else that does it for me
2: well and that's exactly the goal we want for our, our women clients and that's exactly what they struggle with the most because when it's not a matter of choice or a matter of just doing it they this is where they feel the most shame and this feeling that not they shouldn't ask for help they should need help that this makes them feel less than other people this is the area that they that we have to work on so that's where the ADD sort of intersects with their psychotherapy because you can understand they need help, but it might take a really long time to hire a bookkeeper, or to hire a babysitter, help hire someone with the laundry, whatever your difficulty is, because they feel this mistaken idea they should be able to, to do everything.
0: So yeah, exactly but,
2: what you're saying is the goal. Yeah, asking for yeah. help is, is, is so important and something that women have trouble with.
1: Well, and I, I think when I did the show on on um, what's going on with our girls, we do strive for perfection, and we think that we have to be able to do it all, and, um, you know, I, I think that that, that pressure is isn't realistic and um, can of course especially if you're struggling even more than because I think everybody struggles with trying to do it all and have it all Um, I think that definitely puts um, more pressure on somebody with a with different brain chemistry like ADHD well, especially when
2: you don't know it, is that that's exactly one of the biggest problems for women they're they're definitely gonna feel like why can't i do that something must be wrong with me uh when they don't even know it so they're struggling and they don't know it what it yeah. is
1: exactly they're now if uh, somebody has any questions is there any way they can get a hold of you or your book
2: well, you can get the book, uh, yeah, on Amazon. and get it a lot of places, but uh, they can get it on Amazon. Or they can write to either one of us or both of us at uh, Com is our basic website. Then we have a blog for this uh, particular book, which is ADHDradicalguide.com. Okay. Uh, but they... They could ask, they could write to us through that website if they have questions, also. Because okay. you know, and we're in Canada, too. You know, you can get the book. Well, I think you can get the book on the Canada Amazon. I get my other books there, I know. So, but if you have any questions or hard time finding anything, just give us a shout out.
1: Well, perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's a pleasure, Rebecca. I really loved your point of view. <laughs> Um, and uh, so everybody, we were talking today with Sari Solden and her she's a co-author of the book, A Radical Guide for Women with ADHD. And it is her uh, third book. So there is also more information aside from that one. And um, if you want more information about my journey and what I went through to get back to health, you can find that on dr-risk.com. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can also send questions to Ananta Calgary at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to make today a great day.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week.